Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Hey, we're going to jump into a, a new series of talks, if you will. Uh, we finished under construction. Some of you didn't think it would ever stop, but we finally finished. And so now we're going to start a new series of talks called Journey of Hope. And how I do things, you know, uh, usually as I'm preparing or thinking or studying and all this, I kind of build off of themes or just kind of what God's speaking to me. So what you're going to find is we're going to start this series of talks kind of where we ended the last one. It's just because that's where God was speaking to me last, and so I just kind of pick up from there, and he starts speaking to me more. And I just like to stay in the flow of what he's saying. How many knows it's good to hear from God, you know? So we're going to do that. And uh, so I encourage you, today I'm going to, I may try, I said this in the first service, I don't know how successful I was, but I'm going to try to do a little more teaching today than preaching. And I don't know that there's a significant difference. One guy told me after the first service, he said, you know, the only difference between teaching and preaching is volume. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, that may be the case, I don't know. But uh, there's some things I feel like we need to break down today. Because remember, the thing, the thing that's most important to me is that we grow in our relationship with Jesus. I want you to grow in Him. Our goal is not for you to be entertained by our services. Our goal is for you to grow in your own personal relationship with Him. So I'm going to say a couple of things here, and I, I mean this in an encouraging way. I want you to learn from the messages, apply the messages, and be changed by the messages. I'm really not looking to entertain. I'm not looking for someone to walk out and go, man, that was a good message. I used to say this phrase a lot, and, and I want to start it again because I believe it's applicable, that note takers are world changers. There's a reason I give you sermon notes in your worship guide, and I give you sermon notes on the YouVersion Bible app. It's not because I'm a glutton for punishment, just want to create more content. It's because I want you to get it. Because I realize, here's something that I know. And again, take this the right way. If you just listen to this sermon and you don't take notes, don't pay attention to the sermon notes, and never listen to it back again, you're not going to grow from this sermon. I've been in this a long time. And I, I mean, I know these messages are really, really good. But I'm <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. But I'm just saying, we can't grow, you and I can't grow without a personal revelation of God's Word. And I'm all for technology. I'm down with, you know, the Bible on your phone or your iPad. That's why I put the sermon notes on there. But here's what I also know. You and I, we need a relationship with the Word of God outside of a screen. And I'm not being like old man hating on technology message. I'm saying we need a life that's outside of our world where we just scan and flip. And we need something that we can go to that we're not going to be interrupted by a notification on Snapchat. I can't delve into studying the Word of God and reply to Joe's Snapchat at the same time can't do it. I can't go into his presence and hear from God and feel the vibrate of my notification and check Instagram. I can't do both. Amen. Maybe you can, but I can't do both. Because once I get off on a tangent, 
I don't know when I'm coming back. This is one of my biggest struggles in studying and preparing because I'll, I'll be listening to God, I'll be looking and I'll reading, and I'm on, a, on focus on something, and then something will happen. I'll get a squirrel random thought, and I'll go with that, and then who knows when I'll come back to... So I just want to encourage you, listen today, but study today. Get your notes out. I, the, and the reason I, I had, this, had this thought is I realized, God... What, what's my part? Because, and I realize technology is good. I was going to just change everything. I'm like, okay, I'm not putting scriptures on the screen anymore because I'm seeing more and more people don't even bring their Bibles to church. And again, I'm all for the phone and convenience of being able to carry your Bible in your pocket. So I'm not hating on that. I'm just saying, do you have a relationship with this book outside of this room? Do you have a time where you sit down without notifications and read and see what God is speaking to your heart? I want you to grow. I want you to grow. I want to, we want to make disciples, not followers. Not followers like attenders. I'm glad that you're here, and I hope the message speaks to you. I hope it ministers to you. So if you didn't bring your Bible and you didn't get a worship guide so you don't have sermon notes, I'm not telling you leave. I'm just saying listen to it. Go back, watch it again, because you're looking for I'm, I'm just helping. I'm, I'm going a long time on this, but I want to give you some tips you're looking for and listening for the voice of God in a sermon. I know you're hearing the voice of a man or a woman when you listen to a message, and that's good. But while you're listening, that's why I leave all those blanks, that extra space to, to write down things in the sermon notes. Because here's what I'm counting on. That while you're listening to me, you'll hear him. And something I didn't even write down for you, God will speak to you. And it'll be like, oh, okay, that's what, yes, that's what I need. That's what I'm counting on. So that's what I'm praying for today. So let's get our Bibles out if you got them, or your phones, or your iPads, whatever. Again, I'm not hating on any of that. Let's get our sermon notes out, worship guides. Let's open up our Bibles today to Hebrews chapter 6. Woo! Hebrews 6. Just excited about Jesus. Are you ready to listen today? Ready to study? All right, let's break into what God has to say to us. Hebrews chapter 6. Journey of hope. Journey of hope. Verse 9 says, But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation. Though we speak in this manner, for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown towards his name. In that you have ministered or served the saints and do minister, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. I want to pray. Father, I love you, and I thank you so much for your word. Holy Spirit, we welcome you, and we invite you to teach us the words from heaven. God, I pray that people will not just hear my voice today, but they'll hear yours Bring it to life to us, God. I pray for understanding and clarity of communication. We pray that every lie be exposed and every truth be revealed. And Lord, I give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. amen. All right, journey of hope is what we're talking about. And, and maybe I'll ask you this question to start out. Have any of you ever had someone tell you, hey, keep your hopes up? Keep your hopes up. I was in a conversation one time with a group of ministers, and it was just a, a minister's group. There are only pastors in this, in this group, and we were having this conversation. And one was talking about an individual in their congregation, and this person, this individual had stage four pancreatic cancer. 
And they were talking about how people kept, you know, coming by and praying for them and, and trying to encourage them. And, and he said, you know, sometimes I just want people to stop talking to them so they don't get their hopes up. I kind of took it. You know, sometimes when you hear something, you don't really know how to respond at first. It shocked me so much. I was like, did, did I just hear what I thought I said? Aren't we supposed to get people's hopes up? Aren't we supposed to encourage people? What is the alternative? Here's what happens in our world. Here's what happens in our life. The temptation is to get to this place where we start living our life where we don't get your hopes up because we don't want to be disappointed. And this is what people tell you. Hey, just don't get your hopes up. Hey, that might happen, but don't get your hopes up. Thank you, Captain Happy Pants. You know, it's like, woo. You know, but we get into this world where we start being so negative, so expecting of the worst case scenario because we don't want to be disappointed. So we live our life so discouraged in cynicism and looking, it's a Murphy's Law. And we'll start saying these things that, well, I'll tell you what, if something bad can happen, it'll happen to me. That's the way it is in my world. Right? This is the way we live our life. And I'm just telling you, that's not the life God wants us to live. I'm not talking about living a fairy tale world where we have our, our eyes just uh, up in the clouds and we're not facing reality. I'm just saying we got to be careful what actually is reality. What someone's telling you, hey, Chad, you need to wake up to reality. What's reality? Being discouraged and depressed all the time, expecting negativity? That's not my reality. I've lived there. I don't want it. I want to be, I want to live in hope. So we're going to take a journey of hope because here's what I've learned. As I've gotten older, I've learned that life is more a journey than a destination. <laughs> it's a, a lot more about the big picture, the journey, than it is events. My mistake in my life, I don't know about you, but my mistake in my life at times is I've allowed myself to get so discouraged by moments in my life, and I didn't realize and didn't allow God to tell me, Chad, that was just a moment, don't live there. That's a season. I know it stinks, it's bad, it's horrible, it's tragic, whatever, but it's a moment in your big picture journey, so don't get stuck there. And I'm just wanting to encourage somebody who feels stuck in the moment. It is just a moment, and it will pass. You're like, well, this moment has lasted years. I, that may be the case in some of our situations, but I'm telling you, God's wanting to stir up hope in our lives because the word journey, by definition, means passage or travel from one place to another. And I believe God's wanting to take all of us on a journey from where we are to where he wants us to be. I may be stuck in this situation, but God says, hey, that may be where you are now, but that's not where you're going to end. We're going to take a journey of hope. So let's look at how this is going to come together. Look at verse 9. It says, but beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Everybody say confidence. confidence. We are confident. This word confidence, again, I'm going to try and teach some of this and break it down. The word confident means to believe in, to be persuaded, or sure to the extent of placing reliance or trust in something to be convinced. Notice what he says. We are confident of better things. It's one thing to be wishful that things would get better, and it's a whole other thing to be confident that things are going to be better. He says, we are confident of better things. This confident means to be convinced, to believe, to be persuaded that things are going to get better. Now, context for this, previous part of this chapter in Hebrews chapter 6, if you look at the heading, 
on verse 1, it says the peril of not progressing. When we're not progressing or moving forward in our lives, we can get discouraged that things are ever going to get better. This is the context on who he's writing to. He's writing to believers who are ready to give up. He's writing to people who are threatening to throw in the towel. He's writing to people that said, this is horrible. Now give context. I'm not horrible like I've had a bad day at the office. He's writing this to people who are being persecuted to the point of death. Not our kind of persecution. They didn't wave at me. Can you believe that? They didn't. Not that type of persecution. I'm, t- I'm talking about he's trying to encourage people that are ready to give up serving Jesus. Why? Not because they're getting made fun of at school, but because they're getting thrown into jail and beaten. A little different context. And he says, we are confident of better things to come. We're confident. He said, we believe. We are persuaded. We're totally convinced that something better is going to happen. God invites us to this kind of life of hope that there are better things coming. I want to say to you, better things are coming. That word better things means superior in quality, quantity, means things are going to change and they're going to be better than what they are. So again, it's not just hyperbole or trying to pump me up on emotions. It's saying, I am convinced that where I am is not where I'm going to stay. It's not this mindset. It's not trying to say where I'm at is not real. It's saying where I'm at is not permanent. I'm not staying here. I'm confident of better things. So now let's look at what he says in Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in feeling. Maybe you go ahead and read your Bible. Maybe you got a different version of mine, or you can look on the screens if you want to. It says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in emotions. No, let's try it again. Now may the God of hope, so he's the God of hope, fill you and me with all joy and peace in what? In, in believing. In believing. He's saying, Listen, I want to fill you with joy and peace, but it's not going to be attached to your feelings. Where he's going to fill you and I with joy and peace is in a place that we have to get to. It's a place called believing. They're confident of better things. They believe in better things. They don't see better things. They don't hear better things. They sure enough don't feel better things, but they're confident because they believe in better things. God is not going to fill you and I with peace and joy as long as we attach it to emotions. My problem, I don't know if it's your problem, I got lots of problems. One of my problems is too many times I attach my feelings to where I am for my identity. Or I attach my feelings to my joy. My joy is attached to my feelings. My peace is attached to my feelings. And he says, no, no, no. I'm going to fill you with joy and peace in believing. Because it's hard to be filled with joy in the midst of depression. It's hard to be filled with peace in the midst of chaos and confusion. So he says, listen, Chad, I'm not going to fill you with peace and joy in your feeling because we want to feel it before we believe it. We want to feel better. I tell you when I'll feel some joy, when my circumstances change, then I'll feel some joy. I'll be a whole lot happier when that jughead changes. I'll be a whole lot happier when this turns around. I'll be a whole lot more peaceful when these crazy kids stop acting the way they are. 
But he says, I'm not going to fill you with joy and peace when they act and behave perfectly. I'm going to fill you with joy and peace in believing. So you and I got a, cha- got a challenge. We got to get to a place of believing and get out of a place of feeling. Feeling will take you and I on a merry-go-round. All around. We, we feel this in our life. We have all kinds of emotions going up and down based on what's happening in our life. And he says, I'm going to fill you with joy and peace in believing. So how can we have hope? He says, I'm going to, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. How am I going to abound in hope? I'm going to abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit in you and I is going to fill us with joy and peace so that I can abound in hope. This is what we're looking for, the journey of hope. Anybody need hope in any area of their life besides me? I need it. I need it. I needed it a lot as part of this journey. I was very, very transparent and open, maybe not in huge detail. You know, they always tell you, be a little bit vulnerable in the pulpit, but not so vulnerable that you're bleeding on people. Maybe you don't understand the difference, but it's like um, there's a certain thing that I need to be for you to give me validity. People want transparency to, this is totally going a different direction. I'm trusting you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> so, so like people want, uh, people want transparency to a certain level as long as they don't think I've lost my mind. <laughs> hey, Chad, be real, but don't be crazy. I mean, we understand you struggle a little bit, but man, not that bad. I mean, you're preaching to me. I mean, you're falling apart. What am I going to do? Right? <laughs> so, like, so, you, so you want a certain level of honesty, but not too much. Right? The problem is, the problem for me, this is why I'm explaining my issues. I got a lot of them. My issue is I can start to think those expectations are how I need to play a role so that now this is what you, okay, I'll be this vulnerable, but not that vulnerable. So I'll show you this much, but I won't show you this. It's still there. It's still going on. I just don't show you. And this is what we do to each other. I'll show you this much, but I won't show you that. So, so we, we wonder why we're struggling in this situation with our hope. And, and that's why God wants to reveal this truth to us. So he, he's given us this honesty so we can be in a place where we understand God's going to fill us with hope. How does he do that? In verse 10 he says, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you've shown towards his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. So how can we have hope? How can we have confidence of better things? We can do it because we know God doesn't forget. I just want to encourage somebody that God does not forget where you are and what you're going through. God has not forgotten your name. He's not forgotten your issues. He's not forgot any of that. He knows you. And so that's where I take great encouragement that I'm filled with hope because I believe God is showing me something different than what I feel. That's what I was talking about. I was was a little bit vulnerable in the last series where I told about, hey, I was having some issues and feeling like, man, is this working? Am I doing good? And man, the backlash was, you know, people, I have said several people come up, hey, hey, don't leave. Don't leave the church. I'm like, Okay, I wasn't trying to say I'm leaving the church. I'm just saying, so it's like I'm trying to put out fires. So people are saying, hey, you said Chad's, Chad's leaving. Chad's leaving. Chad's leaving. Are you leaving? When are you leaving? He's leaving. i tell you what, he's out. I'm not leaving. I was just saying that sometimes I have to deal with thoughts just like you do. And he's telling us, he says, listen, I don't forget you. I know where you are. I want to fill you with hope. I know your situation. I feel you. 
The Bible says that he was tempted in all points just like us, but he did not sin. So I want you to know, I want to encourage somebody's hope this morning. God knows where you are. He knows where you're hurting. He knows where you're confused. And he still loves you in it. He loves you right smack dab in it. God's not waiting for us to get to a place of perfect behavior and perfect spirituality before he loves us. That's us. That's not him. He takes all of us. He takes every part of us. says, I love you. I like that part of you, Chad, too. I know it's a little crazy, but I love all of you. And so he's wanting to fill you with hope. So look, here's how we're going to see this. What's hope look like? Go verse 11. What does hope look like? This is on our journey of hope. Again, I'm going to try and teach this, so just pray that your ears are tuned into what the Holy Spirit has to say. Verse 11, and we desire, this is Paul writing, we believe it's Apostle Paul that wrote the book of Hebrews. So he says, we desire, which was same, we could say God desires this. God desires that each one of you show the same diligence, everybody say diligence, the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Now let's break this down. Again, I want you to know what the Bible says. I'm not saying this because I know it all. I'm just going to tell you what God has shown me. I'm sure there's way more to it, but I'm just going to give you what, what God has shown me. This word diligence, we desire that you show the same diligence. The word diligence means eagerness to expend energy and efforts to accomplish something. So I want you to be eager to do something. I want you to expend energy and effort to accomplish something. So what is it? We're going to break this down little bit by little bit because by the time we're done, I want you to hear what God's saying about our hope. So he says, listen, here's what I desire of you. I desire that you show the same eagerness, your efforts and energy to accomplish something. I want you to do that. Show your same diligence to what? Notice what he says. The same, same diligence to the full assurance of hope, to the to the full assurance. So all your energy and efforts, all my energy and efforts, I want you to work on this. I want your focus to be, your energy and efforts to get to a place, to the full assurance of hope. So walk with me. Walk with me. Here's what he's saying. I want, I, here's what God desires for you. I want you to use all your energy and effort. I want you to be eager to go to, to, to the full assurance of hope. What is that? I'm glad you asked. Here's what full assurance means. The word full assurance in the original writing means absolutely sure, certain, firmly persuaded, and confident. Absolutely sure, certain, firmly persuaded, and confident. But that's one sense of it. But here's the underlying point. And I studied this a little bit further. And I found that this word, absolutely sure, firmly secure, plan, uh, confident, persuaded, actually comes from two words. One word means to be filled completely up and overflowing and covering. Here's the image I want you to get. Anybody ever filled up a container? Filled up a container so much so that it not only filled up the container, but it overflowed the container and actually covered the container where you couldn't see the container anymore. Anybody ever done that? No. Okay. Well, here's what happens. <laughs> no. So you, have you got the image? When I ask a question, you can go ahead and say, yes, I have, or yes, I have. So here's the image, that you're filling up a container so much so that what's inside of it, I'm not talking about water because then you can see it, something that fills it up, floods over the edges of it, and starts running over. Someone uh, gave me the image of a chocolate fondue. So just coming out over the top 
and it's flooding over the sides. That's the image of this word. He's saying, I want you to be filled with confidence. I want you to be filled, totally persuaded, so much so that it covers. And here's the second part of that word. That's, that's one part. And the other one is to wear as clothing or constant companion or constant accompaniment. So now, here's the image. That God says, I want you to use the same eagerness, energy, and efforts to get to a place where you're totally filled and overflowing with something so that it spills over the top and actually covers you. Get the imagery. I don't want you to feel something. I want you to be filled with something. I want you to be filled with something so much. He says, and the other part of that word is to wear it like clothing. I, I want you to be filled with something so much that it goes over the top and actually covers you so that when people see you, they don't see you. They see what's covering you. They, they, can, they can't find you. Why? Because you're hidden. You're hidden with what? You're hidden with what you're filled up with and overflowing with. Now, what is it? What are we supposed to be filled up with? What are we supposed to be overflowing with? We don't have to guess. The Bible tells us that you show the same diligence to that place of being filled up and overflowing so it totally covers you with what? With hope. I remember my oldest daughter. You know we have baby dedications. I remember when my oldest daughter, first one, 1999, we were dedicating her. Brought her up and, and her pastor at the time prayed for her and, you know, dedicated her and said these words. He said, well, Chad, one thing's for certain. You'll always have hope. Her name is Hope. <laughs> We're supposed to be filled with hope. What is hope? Here's what the word means. It means to look forward with confident expectation or to anticipate. Look forward with confident expectation or anticipate. Now let's put it together. Here's the verse in English in your Bible that you use, you and I. God desires that we have the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. That's the English words. Put it together with meaning. Here's what God's saying. I desire that you show the same eagerness and use and focus your energy and efforts to get you to a place where you're completely filled and overflowing with expectation and anticipation. Notice what God is not asking us to do. He says, I'm not wanting you to be filled up and overflowing with the solution. I'm wanting you to be filled up and overflowing with expectation. Too many times we're using all of our energy and efforts to try and figure out how God's going to do something instead of being filled up with the idea that he will do something. Here's where I get in trouble is I can't be filled up with expectation until I see how it's going to play out. Anybody feel me? This is what it's like. I, I, I have trouble being filled with expectation and anticipation unless I can see exactly how it's going to play out. Like, well, somebody say, hey, this is what's going to happen, and we might say, I can't see it. I don't see that happening at all. 
God doesn't ask us to see it. He asks us to believe it. Where we get tricky is we get ourselves in the wrong responsibility, the wrong job description. We need to fire ourselves. Look at your neighbor and say, you're fired. You're fired. Here's what we're firing ourselves from. We're firing ourselves from the responsibility of being filled up and overflowing with answers. I don't need to be filled up and overflowing with answers. I need to be filled up and overflowing with expectation. I need to be filled up and overflowing with anticipation. That I can do. I can control how much I expect. I can't control how or when. I'm trying to encourage somebody's hope in here this morning. See, because it's not about us figuring out when and how. How we get discouraged is we won't allow ourselves to be filled to the full assurance of hope because we can't see how it's going to come out. But God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to focus all of your energy and efforts. Refocus. Look at your neighbor and say, refocus. Refocus. Chad, refocus. Here's how I need to refocus. Is I need to spend all my energy and efforts concentrating on the one thing that I can control, and that's my expectation. How do I do that? I focus more on the promises of God than I do the circumstances. I cannot be filled with expectation and anticipation as long as my hope is tied to end results. As long as my hope is tied to how it's going to play out, I will never be filled with anticipation. I will be filled, Will, with, let's wait and see. I'll be filled with, let's just see how it's going to play out. I'll be filled with, well, you never know. Isn't that right? We're filled with that kind of verbiage. We're filled with that kind of thought. And it's because our hope is attached to circumstantial evidence. It's attached to things that can and possibly will change. I I ride the roller coaster of my emotions too many times. I don't know know about you. Again, I've got issues. Pray for me. (laughs) But my problem is too many times that I'm looking at what I'm seeing and I'm attaching my hope to those circumstances. And if my circumstances don't line up with what I feel like God wants for me, then I get discouraged because I can't see how, I can't see how the Word of God tells me something, but then I look at where I am, I look at my circumstances, what they are or where they are not, and I won't allow myself to be filled and overflowing with encouragement, with expectation and anticipation because I've got my eyes on the wrong thing. The more I focus on my circumstances, the more I open myself up to discouragement. The more that I need circumstantial evidence to prove the Word of God in my life, the more discouraged I'm going to be. See, because notice if we're supposed to be filled with anticipation and expectation so much that overflows us, then everybody should see my expectation and not see me. Because underneath is all kinds of doubts and fears and insecurities. None of my hope and expectation can be in Chad because Chad's not going to do it. Chad's not going to come through. Chad's scared. Chad's confused. I'm talking about him third person like I'm a boxer or a wrestler, but you understand what I'm talking about. Chad's got... Chad's got insecurity issues. He's got problems with that. But when I allow the expectation of God, my expectation is not in Chad. My expectation is not in my brain to figure it out. My expectation is my God is bigger. 
And if he's bigger, then what people will see is not my expectation of me, but my expectation of him. This is what God's inviting us to. This is the kind of hope that he's wanting us to live in. So he says, I want you to have this same expectation of hope. Put your focus, your energy, and all of your efforts on getting to a place. All right, here's what I want to say. Again, practical application. Sermons can be inspirational, and that's great. But if they only inspire you, it will never change you. I, I, I'm all for inspiration. And I don't preach the way I preach and because I'm just trying to be emotional. I'm just, this, this is the way I am. I'm just expressive. A little loud, maybe too intense for some, but lose my voice a little bit. But it's not so I can just be emotional. I want to be intentional. So notice what he says. That we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the, until the when? Until the end. Until the end. He said, I want you to be filled with anticipation and expectation of what God will do until the end. What's the end? We have all kinds of ends, right? We all have all kinds of ends for ourselves. We define ends like we say, I am so done. I am done, done. Like, I am so over this. Like, here I am, I'm way over here. I'm over, I'm over. Like, we, we get done, we reach our end. But I'm not talking about our end, I'm talking about his end. There's our end, there's yours and my end. But I want to encourage somebody, it's not the end until he says it's the end. I don't know what, what your end looks like. I know what mine looks like sometimes. But God's saying to me, Chad, why are you calling that the end? Well, because I'm done. It's like, I know, I know you are. But I'm not. Are you going to quit? You going to give up? I said, I'm not done. See, God's end looks different than your and my end. Jesus on the cross looked like the end. Put your shoes, put yourself in the shoes of the disciple 2,000 years ago that they're standing there on this hill of Golgotha and they see a, their Messiah, their Savior, Jesus, hanging on the cross between two other dudes. It looks like the end. It's over. Everything we live for, it's done. Was it the end? From heaven's perspective, the Father's looking down and he's like, Woo, we about to get started. Now we're going to get started. But on the earth's end, the earth's perspective, it looked like it was over. So I'm speaking to somebody that you say, it looks like it's over. Maybe it's dead. Or maybe they died. Did they? Did they? Is it over? Is it the end? Or was it just your end? Help me, Jesus. Is it, am I done or is he done? Are they dead or is we believe in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ? Is that relationship over or can God resurrect it? I'm telling you, I'm done. I don't care if you said you're done. My God hasn't said I'm done, so I'm not quitting until he tells me to quit. We're giving up too early. Even if, even if in the natural it dies. 
sisters come up to Jesus. Say, Lord, my brother Lazarus is dead. If you'd have been here earlier, if you would have been here earlier, how many times we've said, God, if you would have showed up earlier. If you would have come here two months ago, we might have been able to salvage something, but now it's too yeah, yeah, Lord, if you'd have been here earlier. But Jesus said, <laughs> uh, he's not dead. He's just sleeping. He's just sleeping. He's just taking a nap. He said, because when I come on the scene, those things that were dead, they become alive. So I'm telling you, even if you think it's the end, it's not over with God. Let's look at this last part. I want to close with this. Let's go to the full assurance of the end. That you do not become sluggish. So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He said, I want you to show, use all your energy and effort to get to a place where you're filled with expectation and anticipation. You said, Chad, I can't anymore. I did and something happened. Disappointment happened. I understand. I understand. I understand. I understand. I, I know. But we are not to be filled with anticipation and expectation of an end result. I'm supposed to be filled with anticipation and expectation of who he is. Not how it plays out for me. And he says, so do not become sluggish. That word sluggish means to be lazy. If there's an exhortation in our Bible to not become something, then evidently there's a possibility to become it or he wouldn't say do not become. So he said, hey, don't be lazy. When did he say don't be lazy? Right on the heels of saying, I want you to show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope to the end. Now, in order to do that, you can't be lazy. Can't be spiritually lazy. What's spiritually lazy mean? He says, don't be lazy, but, but. So he says, don't be lazy, but this next part. So don't be that part, be this next part. So we want to follow what he's saying next. Don't be lazy, but imitate. Everybody say imitate. Imitate. That means to copy the patterns of behavior, of words, like mimic these people. It's the word mimic, where we get our word mimic. It's to actually do what they do, say what they say. Imitate those who? Certain people. He didn't say imitate everybody. He didn't say imitate all Christians. He didn't say imitate all church people. He said imitate those who do what? Through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now, patience, we're going to talk about next week, but let me just give you faith. Imitate those who through faith. That word faith means certainty, complete trust and reliance. Here's what I found. We often confuse want with belief. Sometimes the word faith has gotten such a bad reputation that some people have completely thrown it out. Like some people have said, like their answer to all of your problems, why you didn't receive something, they'll say, well, it's because you didn't have enough faith. And so you felt insulted and you felt uh, like they just berated you. And so you just say, well, forget that then. Everything about faith is wrong. It's not everything is about faith is wrong. How some people to communicate it is not always right. But notice what he said. Imitate those who do use faith. So faith is important. There's a difference in desire and dependency. Faith looks like dependency, not like desire. If I could drive this one home, I need, I need to get it in my heart. I need to get it in my heart. Faith is depending on something. Desire wants something. They're two totally different things. 
Faith is not if I tell God I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it bad enough, he will give it. That's not faith. I'm not saying that to discourage you. I'm doing that to encourage you because God wants you to use your faith. Faith is receiving what he has already said. It's believing it to be true even if you don't feel it, see it, or touch it. Imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Let me say it this way. That word inherit means to gain possession by legal right from someone after their death. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. There are some people, there are those, he said, let me, let me just stop here. I want to stop here. Because we're going to jump into this again next week. You're like, where are we going to go next week? We're going to talk about patience, and we're going to talk about Abraham and how he patiently endured. Please don't miss next week. The nugget that I have for next week, I wanted to give this week so bad that I could hardly stop the message. But I've got to because I'm, I, you've got to get it. I've, I've never got it myself. Maybe you guys did. Maybe I'm going to tell it and you'll be like, I've known that all my life. I'm like, well, I'm slow. Okay. But here's what I know about today. God's wanting to encourage us to use our diligence, our energy and our efforts with that word to come to a place Here's what I believe God wants to do. God wants to chocolate fondue you. You know what that looks like? And Amy, Amy gave me this image in her mind about this chocolate fondue that starts flowing up and it starts coming over. And so now you can't see the source of it anymore. It's on the inside. Your, your expectation and anticipation, it has to be a source on the inside and it can't be attached to the outside. I will bail on my anticipation and expectation all day long if I just open my eyes long enough. If I open my ears long enough, I'll bail on all my expectation. I'll be like, it ain't happening. God, tell me in prayer. I can write it down. I can journal it. And if I stare at my circumstances long enough, I'm going to be it'll never happen. But if I hold to what he's telling me, show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope. I'm talking about full assurance of anticipation and expectation. Not full assurance of answers, not full assurance of knowing how it's going to be, but full assurance of expectation that my God is big enough. I'm anticipating God moving. I'm full of it. If you're not full of it yet, you keep digging. You keep going. We're stopping too short because we're not full, the full assurance of expectation, the full assurance of hope. We stop when we feel a little hopeful. Don't stop when you feel a little hopeful because it's got to go beyond feeling. I stopped too short. I found this. I, I, I've seen this in my, my errors. I was preparing. My error is that God says, Chad, you get excited in the moment and you say, yes, I believe. But you don't keep meditating until you get to full assurance. It's like getting so excited. My kids are like this, especially when they're really younger. But they, you know, they get so excited wanting to go play that they won't even hard to eat. Like they'd eat just a little bit. Lucas will eat a little bit. But if he's got someone who wants to play, he wants to go play. And then maybe come back and eat a little more. And so he, he gets so excited to eat. Like, okay, can I go play now? Can I play now? The food is secondary. So he wants to go play. And then later on, guess what? He comes back. And, hey, hey, Dad, I'm hungry. I know. 
Supper's still on the table. It's a tad cold. Right? God's saying you aren't eating long enough to get full. You're not eating my word to the point you get full of assurance. You read till you feel good. You read till you're like, okay, I want that. Desire will not fill you. It has to be his word. He says, keep eating my word until you reach a full assurance of expectation that goes beyond what I see, hear, smell, taste, touch. And are you getting this today? Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.